All righty, let's turn our Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 33. Jeremiah chapter 33. My goal this morning is to uh, really be transparent and to be very clear and to sort of kind of take us on a little bit of a journey this morning. And so I want to make sure that uh, I could clearly communicate what is on my heart and my mind this morning, um, what I believe the Lord has prepared us for today. I am uh, not only want to be clear in my uh, message this morning, but I would also like to be, again, I'll just jokingly say, like to be clear in my sinuses. That would be great. <laughs> but I would also like to be clear uh, in just, you know, where we're going and what we're doing as a church and and, um, and what I'm hoping and wanting to do uh, in uh, leading and guiding us. I was telling with, I was speaking with uh, my community group this past Wednesday of how uh, some goals that I would like for us as a church, um, just, and I say not, you know, we automatically think of, of building and plans and all those things, but I'm talking about our daily walk with the Lord of how I all want all of us to really be able to discover God's word. Uh, God's word could be used as so many different things uh, that it was never intended for. Uh, but God's word is is so rich. It's so powerful. And uh, a lot of times through our, I, I see this, I have a sense of this a lot of times too and I even fail to do it I mean I even fall into it sometimes where I'll just take little bitty verses here and there from God's word and uh, try to apply it to my life when God's word is just so much deeper than a than what we and I'm not talking about the book of proverb but a, a, a but versus just a proverb or a good saying to help us psychologically through our day that day. God's word is so rich, it's so deep. I was giving them an example this Wednesday of uh, the very famous verse, Philippians 4.13. And when you would take that and we would see the way it's so publicized, great verse, but we take it so far out of context, it, you know, it doesn't really have anything to do with sporting events. Did you know that? Uh, it really doesn't. And uh, it really talks about being generous to other people. And it talks about of how Paul learned how to be content in whatever season that he was in. He says that I have been rich and I have been poor and I've learned to live content in the Lord. It doesn't sound like I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me in the context that we use it in. And so my point is, is that God's word is so rich and so deep and for us to really study God's word and to know why it's there. What was God saying to those people? And so whole reason for me saying that this morning is I wanted to be transparent to my community group that that's how I want us to study God's word. For us as a church, I want us to really this time when we when we sing during service, I, I felt maybe it was just me and my location, but I felt like a lot of people were singing this morning. I hope we were uh, you know, when we're there in the car and, and we're listening to maybe our, our phone or our iPad or something, our iPod or whatever, 
Uh, we don't always have the words right there in front of us, and we just kind of sing along like we know all the words. That's what I felt like it was this morning. And so uh, I hope that was the case, that you were just at liberty to just, to just to sing praises to God because He deserves those praises. And then when we stop to open up God's Word, that we just really try to see how these things are applying to our life. How, what is God trying to speak to me this morning and really learn and get it? And, you know, I used to say, say this to students a while back. I would never apologize for the amount of time that I would spend in God's word because when you take it in a graph, if you were to graft it out uh, like a pie chart or whatever, and you would really look at our time that is spent. When you take, when you take hours of sleep and you take hours of eating and, and uh, just uh, TV time, but school time, work time and all those different things and just a lot of outside pressure and conversations that come and go. And then the amount of time that we actually spend with the Lord is very minimal. It's not a lot of time. And so when we do take time like this, we need to make sure that we really dive into God's word and get the most out of it whenever we do stop and look at God's word. And so I want that for us. I want us as a church to be rich in scripture that we have a real solid foundation because when we preach God's word and we give these things to you, when we study and prepare and present these to you uh, out of God's word is that we know because I'm experiencing and I'm seeing it is that we know when Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday comes up in your life. And even on Sundays, it's real life. And, and if we just give you a little talk and we give you a little pep rally and then when life really hits you hard and you're just struggling through life or going through life, uh, you're going to have to really rely on something greater than just something clever that I can come up with. Right. You've got to really know what God's word has to say. Also, and then I'll get into Jeremiah 33, is that I want for our church to look outside of ourselves. Is you know, some of you have jobs where you're expected to be the person that's going to be the one going out there and greeting people and talking to people and doing all these things. Well, we, something that, not, not to uh, make my job less important or Jake's job less, less important, uh, but I want all of us to see ourselves as the one that it's important to make people feel welcome, for people to feel loved, to not only making people feel that way, but also going out our way for us to do things. And not looking at, well, so-and-so will take care of it, but we would be the people to look outside of ourselves to be able to minister to other people. When we walk down the alleyway, that we see ourselves as, I'm gonna be the one that's gonna talk to people, making sure they know where they're going, know what they're doing. And I'm gonna be the one that's going to make this person feel welcome and that person feel welcome, not expect someone else to do it. I'm putting that responsibility on not only me and not only people that's in leadership, but for every single one of us. And so I hope that you have already seen yourself in that way, but I wanna make sure that I continually put that in front of you. I wanna be more transparent about that for us this year. Everybody with me? Just a little amen, non? All right, well, good. Let's look at, and that's not uh, me getting on to y'all. A couple, a few weeks ago, I said something, and somebody said that I was getting on to our church uh, in my statement to you. That's not me getting on to y'all. Anyway, that's just me sharing a little bit of my heart. And I didn't go to that person because uh, they said that. But anyway, Jeremiah 33, 
Jeremiah 33. Let's look at verses uh, 14 uh, through 16 this morning. Uh, Jeremiah 33, 14 through 16. This morning we are talking about hope. We're talking about hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're talking about how God brings us hope. Of course, this is going to be related to the Advent season. This is going to be related to Christmas. Advent is just the four weeks leading up to Christmas Day. It is uh, focused on uh, Advent means of anticipating someone coming. Uh, Advent related to uh, Christmas, uh, relating to Christ, is talking about how they were anticipating and looking forward to the birth of Christ. And so that's what we're looking at over the next four weeks. And so uh, this morning we're looking at hope. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament. Jeremiah is one of the major prophets in the Old Testament. And he is writing to the people of Israel. They're in a bad place. They're not in a place of, uh, of great military strength and, and kingdom strength. Uh, they are at a, a place where they need something to hold on to. They need some hope in their life. And God gives it to them through the prophet Isaiah, um, through the prophet Jeremiah, excuse me. And he gives them this word. And he says in verse 14, he says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord that I will perform that good thing which I have promised to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. Now, house of Israel, house of Judah, we understand that there was two kingdoms at one time, but let's look at them as a whole this morning, as the nation of Israel. He's wanting to bring them some encouragement, some help in their time of trouble. And, and just think about it for us in our daily life, our first trouble our first place that we find ourselves in is our sin trouble that we have between us and God. But and if you believe that you have a relationship with God, then think about all the other things that are kind of coming against you. It would be nice. It would be great, especially if you've endured something for a long time, for God to give you a word and to God to tell you that he is going to do something great in your life to come through in that situation. And that is where Israel and the nation of Israel find themselves when God writes this to them in verse 15. And he says, in those days and at that time, I will cause to grow up to David a branch of righteousness. He's saying, he's saying through David, through the lineage of David, I'm going to have a branch. I'm going to have an offspring that's going to be a branch of righteousness through him. And he says, he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. Now, that is very key before we get to verse 16. He's saying through David, he says, I'm going to have someone that is going to, is going to be a branch of righteousness. Now, I want us to make sure we understand what righteousness is. It's, you know what, when I look at the person in front of me, another man, it's easy to be in right standing and to be face to face with another person. But we're not talking about another person. We're talking about man and God. And there's no way sinful man can be eye level and equal to holy God. The main thing is because God is perfect. God is without sin. He has no spot. He has no blemish. And so for us, it doesn't matter how many good things that we have done or the good or all the trying that we do. The Bible says that even in one sin, if you've broken just one thing, you're guilty of them all. And so our sin debt is too great for us and that we cannot stand in right fellowship. When I use that word right, we're talking about righteousness. Uh, we cannot stand in right fellowship between us and, us and God 
because of sin in our life. And so God's saying here to the nation of Israel, he says, he, this one that is coming, shall execute judgment. Execute judgment. This is talking about the law of God that has been placed on us. Back in the Old Testament, God gave all these laws, all these rules. And if you were to keep those things, you'd be perfect. You'd be like God. You would have to be God in order to keep all those things. And that law, every time we went up against that law, they did it in the Old Testament, and the law is the same thing for us. When we go against God's commandments, and God's laws, that's where we find ourselves falling short. That's where we find ourselves going up against it and seeing, I cannot live up to this. And it's just to show you, yeah, you can't. You can't live up to it. God's judgment is too great for us. It's too, it's, it, the, the, the standard is too high for us to achieve. And he says, but he will be, uh, in the 15, he will execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. So on the same token as this place of judgment, this one is going to come, talking about Jesus. We know that. We, we've read more of the story. He's going to be executing judgment, but at the same time, he's going to be executing righteousness. For me to be able to stand face to face with holy God, this one that's going to come is going to allow me to do that. And let's look at verse 16. It says, in those days, Judah will be saved. Now, it's not by coincidence, I don't believe, when you see this in verse 16, that we're talking about Judah as well. Because Judah is the one that the tribe that Jesus, uh, not only David comes out of, but Jesus comes out of this tribe. We know and refer to Jesus a lot of times as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And so it says Judah will be saved in Jerusalem. We understand that's where Jesus is going to die on the cross for our sins, that, that central location for the nation of Israel. And this is the name by which she will be, will be called, talking about Israel and talking about she, the way she's going to be called. This is how it's going to be. And I love this phrase for the name of God here, the Lord our righteousness. The Lord, our righteousness. He's saying Israel is going to be able to say the Lord, our righteousness through this one. And it's not just Israel, but for the entire world. And for us to be able to stand righteous before God, it's going to be because of this one that is coming. Of course, the Lord Jesus Christ comes as a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes there in that manger, lives a perfect, sinless life, 33 and a half years on this earth. He goes through all the things you and I go through. So we're not dealing with a God that doesn't know how we function and how we are, are wrestling against the daily routine and the daily problems of our lives. But we're dealing with a God that sent his son, his darling son, who, yes, he never stopped being God, but he was 100% man as well and went through all of these things that you and I went through. And then he, not only to be able to experience that as you and I are experiencing that today, but he does it without sin. He sacrifices his life so that we could stand in right fellowship with holy God. I was, uh, you know, I, I used my kids as, um, as, as examples all the time. And then I, I even gave them the whole sermon last night. So you see them after church, give them a sweet hug and kiss because they're hearing this for the second time, bless their hearts, okay? And so last night as we were talking about them, I won't call them out by name, but you know, as I was just kind of giving that to them last night as far as who we are and who God is, 
You know, if we kind of just sat here and I pulled up a chair and we just kind of started talking as we were last night in our living room, the answers that we may hear as far as how man who is with sin can get to holy God who is perfect without sin. Because if God does that, just interacts with us in his perfection without something there in the middle, then he is lowering himself and really having this relationship with something that is sinful, something that is unclean, guess what? It would make him unclean. And so something had to happen in the middle. And so as we were talking last night, we were discovering it was, well, here's God, here I am over here, and here's God over here. And for me, I need to confess my sins. Yeah, sounds good. I need to, uh, you know, this and that. Sounds good, yes. But there's one key component in order for me to do all of those things. It's because of the one that's going to allow me to be righteous. And that is Jesus. The blood, the Bible tells us, it had to be shed. There's no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. And that is how God over here. Now you say, you know what, that's not fair or that's not this, not that and that. You could question God. I'm just telling you the God that I serve, the God of the Bible, he's telling me the way that the, uh, uh, sin, your sin debt and my sin debt is paid is through the shedding of blood. And that his son, Jesus Christ, took that sin debt of ours on his back on the cross for our sins, for you and I, so that we have the opportunity to stand in right fellowship with holy God, in right standing with him. And so let's not miss that as we look at this season and we look at this Christmas time that we don't miss these things. Now, look, I told you we were looking at Jeremiah Chapter 33, 14 through 16, and we kind of went through those verses. But you're not getting off that easy this morning, all right? You're not getting off that easy, all right? So I want us to turn just really quick. Just, I mean, we're going to pass by this. We're, going, we're getting to Romans chapter 4, but on our way, stop at Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. One, I, I'm... I'm not going to tell you their names. I told you to give them a hug and give them a kiss after service. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read the first 17 verses of, of the New Testament. You know, a lot of people will, a lot of new Christians or, or, or people just kind of getting curious and interested in God. They'll say, you know what, the Old Testament is it's kind of old. You know, I, I, it's, it's kind of hard to understand. So I'm going to start in the New Testament. And I'm going to start reading. And they start reading in Matthew chapter 1, and they're not going to get very far in encouragement uh, reading through the first 17 verses because it is so-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so. And you say, what? And one of the kids said, nobody reads that stuff. <laughs> nobody reads that. And, and, and you know what? <laughs> in a lot of ways, you're right. But we also got, as I started out this morning, you got to know why it's there. You know, it's, it's not good. There's a lot of things that I don't know. And uh, when me and my wife have conversations, it's, it's uh, you know, she's always telling me, it, it's, not, it's not bad to learn about those things and to be educated in, in, in things. And I'm talking about outside of the Bible. And she's right when she's telling me that. And it's not okay for us to be ignorant and not educated on the Word of God. Okay? 
and, and, and so as we look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, it gives us the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it kind of gives us an explanation of why it's there. It says, this is the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. The son of David and the son of Abraham. Now, just a minute ago, when we were reading out of Jeremiah, he was telling us that this, this one that was going to bring hope, that was going to bring righteousness for the nation of Israel, that he was going to be from the branch of David, a branch of righteousness. And what Matthew is showing is that this one, this Jesus who's coming, he has the rightful lineage to claim that he's the Messiah. That he's this hope. Matthew is going to show us. He says it in verse 1. Then he goes all the way back to Abraham in verse 2. To get us all the way to Joseph, his earthly father. Uh, and, and marrying Mary. And Jesus being born of Mary, the virgin birth. That he was part of this family. Now, not, let me uh, make sure you understand. Joseph was very important. I wanted to preach a message just on how Joseph was important in the life of Jesus. But you say, okay, blood. Mary was also part of this lineage as well. And so Jesus was from the tribe of Judah. He was from the house of David. And he was definitely a Jew. And so verse 1 tells us that. That he has the rightful place to, to, to have that kind of authority that he does. And so Matthew is showing us that. And I, I told you, I just wanted to show you that real quick, but I want us to get to Romans chapter four, and that'll make a lot more sense of why I brought up Abraham and uh, David. In Romans chapter four, I want to turn our attention to verse 13. I couldn't say it any better than scripture says it, first of all. And so I'm going to do a little bit of reading, but I want to do a little bit of an explanation whenever I read these verses to us this morning, because there's so much promise and there's so much hope to the nation of Israel that God was telling them, but he was also saying it for the entire world. And he's saying it for us today. And so let's look at this rich scripture this morning in Romans chapter four, in verse 13. It says, for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. God made Abraham, in verse 13, he, this was in the book of Genesis. God made Abraham an heir to the things of God. He said, Abraham, I'm going to do all these things through your seed. And let's not forget when Abraham, when God first told Abraham this promise, his name was Abram. And this is in Genesis uh, chapter uh, 13. Uh, Genesis, uh, no, not Genesis. Yeah, Genesis uh, chapter 15, excuse me. And so when God tells this to Abraham, his name was Abram. And his name meant something, and his name meant a father to a nation. Father to a nation. He had zero children when his name was Abraham. Abram, excuse me. He had zero children. It was quite comical for him to go around and say, hello, my name's Abram. And the people knew what that meant in that language, and yet he had no offspring. He was at this point, you say, well, okay, it's not too bad because you're only 20, you're only 30, and you're going around, your name's Abram. But now he's 100 years old. 
And then not only that, his wife, she is way past the age of bearing children. The Bible refers to her as a person that is being barren. She can't have children. And she's 90 years old. He found her a, uh, he found him a young, young lady, right? Uh, they had been married for a long time. He's 100, she's 90. And it says that it wasn't through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Abraham believed what God was telling him. Do you understand that? And so let's look at verse 14. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. As we were talking last night, my kids started to name some things and I was quickly telling them, but salvation is not of works. And they know that because of the things that we've talked about, but it's interesting when we start opening our mouth of what salvation is, of how we get to God, that we'll start naming things and we'll realize that when we start naming those things, those are works. And Abraham is telling us here in verse 14, the law was not made, I mean, it says uh, the promise was not made by effort or works, but it was by faith that he had. The Bible kind of looks at Abraham as that father of faith. He is really the origin, the beginning of faith really being displayed for us. In verse 15, he says, because of the law brings about wrath. When we look at the law, all it's doing is condemning us. For where there is no law, there's no transgression. The law is there for a reason. It shows us of our faults. It shows us of our failures and our transgression towards God. Verse 16, therefore, because of all that, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also of those who are in the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. And so what it's saying there in, in that verse, in verse 16, he's telling us that the promise was not through the law, but it was made through grace so that the promise might be uh, sure to, uh, to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, talking about the Jewish people, but also to the, uh, those who are of the faith of Abraham. Was basically what he's saying is God did something to Abraham that's quite unique. So here he is back in the book of Genesis, and he, his name was Abram, father of a nation. Didn't have any offspring. God says, I'm going to give you a son. And he says, I'm changing your name, by the way. Your name will be father of many nations. So not only does he tell him something initially that was crazy, literally in our, in our minds, it was crazy. Just something that you think, you know what, is not possible and then God says, okay, it's not going to just be you're going to be a father of a nation, but I'm going to change your name to Abraham, and you're going to be a father to many nations. And guess what he just did when he did that? He opened it up not only to the ones that were under the law and Abraham's seed, the Israelites, Israel, but he opened it up into the entire world when he did that. And so when you see that word Abraham, and I just automatically think about my, one of my favorite kids' songs is Father Abraham Had Many Sons. We will conclude this morning by singing that song. I'm just joking. But he is. He's a father of us. He's a father of to anyone that has faith. 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what Abraham did was when all of these things were up against him and it doesn't seem, it didn't seem real. See, Abraham couldn't really look to his father. He couldn't look to the church. He couldn't look to the people before him. He had this one from heaven that was speaking to him and telling him things that did not comprehend. It did not make any earthly sense. And for some reason, Abraham believed. And he believed God. And the Bible says, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but the Bible says that it was accounted unto him righteousness because of the faith that he had in God. And, and, and so for us, that's what our faith is built upon. And, and it doesn't matter, and it doesn't matter, and that's kind of one of the simple reasons that we didn't put necessarily a denomination on our church, but it doesn't matter what denominational tag you have, and it doesn't matter what would be on our sign. Um, it, it, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to really have a, a relationship with God. I really appreciate the fact that the guy who was here last week, Joey Smith, he was in town uh, right before he left on Monday, and he went to one of the local businesses. Uh, he would have been, uh, anyway, I'm not going to get into all that. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I was going to say something smart, but I decided not to. But anyway, he went to one of the local businesses, and, uh, and he gets some work done there. And he says to the one, one of the guys that's working there, and I, and I know of the little guy, and I know young guy, young man, and I know he's very active in his church. And the way Joey presented this to the guy was, when did you, he, he said about the church, and he also talked to him about what church he went to. And again, doesn't matter what denomination you are in. He asked the guy this question. When did your relationship with the Lord begin? And it threw the guy completely off. It made him nervous. He, like he just, he, he couldn't comprehend of what he was talking about. And he talked about uh, doing this, and he talked about doing this. But he had no knowledge of just what that meant as far as when his relationship with God meant. And to me, that's more Bible as far as talking about those things versus the way the uh, Pentecostal church or the Baptist church or, the, or this church or that church talks about it. When you look into the faith chapter in the, in the book of Hebrews, it's talking about having true, genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, saying, listen, it's enough where I believe who he is and it motivates me and it, and it changes my life moving forward. And that's where Abraham was. Abraham, all these things were against him and he believed unto God the, the words that was spoken by God and he just obeyed those. Look at verse 17. And it says, as is it, it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. And this is again, going back to Genesis chapter 17. He says, in the presence of him whom he believed, talking about God, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist, which do not exist as though they did. God is speaking into something that had no existence, but God is speaking as though they are alive. His verse 18 says, who contrary to hope in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations. Contrary to any sense, basically, any human reasoning, contrary to all those things that just seem to make sense, Abraham believed God. It tells us in verse 18. He says, in hope, and in, in, in that hope is not just a 50-50 chance, like many of you are hoping 
that Georgia would come through and beat Alabama yesterday and your hope diminished because you saw that writing on the wall a long time, right? You saw it, you saw it was going to happen. Some of you have no clue what I'm talking about. But the writing was on the wall and yet he believed, but he believed onto one that has never failed. There's a song that we sing. Again, one of my kids asked me, what does that mean he has not failed me yet? It's because I'm going to take God at his word until he fails me. And guess what? He's not failed me yet. And that is where my hope lies in the things that God says. And that is where I'm going to take it to the bank is because he's not failed me yet. And guess what? I've read the end of the story. He's not going to fail me. He's not going to fail me. And so, and so that's what he's saying. It says, in hope he believed so that he became the father of many nations according to which uh, and to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. Verse 19, and it says, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. He was strong in faith because he did not consider his own body. He says, although already dead since he was 100 years old and the dead, deadness of Sarah's womb. The Bible says this about them many, a couple times. It's just really interesting. I mean, he just says they were as good as dead. I mean, that'll, you know, maybe that's why we don't have a real senior adult group in here. Is that what we call them, as good as dead? You know, but that's what the Bible refers to Abraham. And, and you know, here's Abraham. He's 100 years old. And the Bible says he's just as good as dead. And his wife, I mean, she's a, she's a youngin. She's 90. And it says that her womb is just dead. Uh, there in that verse, in, in verse 19. But they didn't consider their body. They didn't consider their circumstances. They believed God's word in verse 20. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. It was, and this is where people get it wrong. There's nothing wrong with us praying about things. There's something that's written in the bathroom that's talking about, and you'd have to go back there to see it. But anyway, there's a little note written in the bathroom talking about just speaking something into existence, believing upon it, and seeing it come to pass. It's not Bible. Now, if God says something, and you believe in those promises, doesn't matter what your body says and then what... Anybody else says, but if, there you go, but if God says it, then you can take it to the bank and you can believe in it. And you can walk in those things. There's nothing wrong with praying about something, but that's different than the faith and believing in God's spoken word. Okay. And so he believed it because of this verse, in this verse, he says he was fully convinced that what he, that he is not referring to what Abraham can do, but that he is referring to God, that he had promised he was, God was able to perform. And therefore it was accounted unto, that him is talking about Abraham, it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Abraham, because his faith in the promises of God, could look to God and be in right standing with him because of the word of God, which he believed. And he, his, his belief moved him to action. There's a lot of people in here and a lot of people around us that talk about that they believe, 
But is your belief actually doing something about it? It, 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 When you really have a belief in in something, it's going to change the way you act. Now, I'm not here this morning, and I don't want us as a church to just deal with, well, this is what you should do. There's a lot of people that have even Sunday night church just because that's what you should do. And, you know, what happens if somebody sees you at 6 o'clock on, or 7 o'clock on a Sunday night and you're not in church? What are they going to think about you? Or if you're not in church in two Wednesdays from now, and that's a church night. And I'm not disregarding those things. I want you to be at church, and I want you to be in God's house when you should. But I'm not talking about changing your lifestyle from the outside in. But when the Lord Jesus Christ is inside of your life, something should be happening on the outside. It should be evident. The Bible talks about fruits worthy of not only repentance, but there should be fruit in our life as far as there's a change that has happened. And it says, it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Verse 23, it says, now and it was not written for his sake alone, but it was in, uh, that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in Jesus. Or God, who raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. So it talks about for us and our offenses. In other words, that's going back to that judgment that God was going to bring. He came because of our judgment that was placed against us. You know, when Jesus came, you remember when Jesus says, I didn't come to bring condemnation. Because you've already been condemned. You've already been condemned against the law. Jesus says, I'm not coming to do that. The law has already done that for you. You're already condemned. I'm coming now to bring hope. I'm coming now to bring righteousness that if you're found in me, you can stand before God and claim that Jesus is our righteousness. That is what Jesus was coming to do. And he's saying it's not just for Abraham and his offspring, but it has now been imputed to us who believe in verse 24 in in God who raised up Jesus from uh, our Lord from the dead. And he's saying for our offenses and, 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 and was raised because of our justification. So he died on behalf of our sins and he was raised up again to stand before God as far as our justification. I mean, if we were, if I was really unique and clever and, you know, uh, I would really, I think Mr. Craig would make a good judge right here. You know, he has to do that sometimes at school. We'd have had a little platform of a judge and, you know, here I am there at the, uh, you know, sitting right there, I would think, and maybe have somebody there as far as my defense attorney. And then uh, all of you come up here and, and kind of speak against me and all of the things that I have done wrong. Man, it'd be easy for, uh, for King Craig, you know, King Craig to just stand up here on his high horse and his judgment seat to just say guilty. For me to even think of God standing up here and to say that I have been cleansed and I have been justified in who I am. There's got to be something greater. There's got to be something above me in order for me to be called justified and for me to be found in righteousness between me and that judge. 
Thank the Lord for Jesus. Amen. I want to read this. This is my little lanyard and we're done. Chapter 5, verse 1 says, therefore. You know why this therefore is there? You know that. It is referring to what we just talked about. In Scripture, there was no chapter whatever, chapter this, and, and all, you know, the way we have it divided in these verses. And so it is just carrying on of what's been said. Because of that being said, having been justified by faith, talking about us as believers, Paul's talking to this, the, the Roman uh, Christians, we have peace with God. How can we have peace with God? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And rejoice in, say that with me, hope. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and persever perseverance, character and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. He's telling us we have a hope that is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, he gives you his Holy Spirit to come live inside of you, to help lead you and guide you, to show you all these different things. And he is also, the Bible tells us, that guarantee. He is also that hope inside of us. When it doesn't look like Jesus is maybe working in areas, the Holy Spirit inside of us showing that he is working. When we feel alone and we feel just it's not there, you see, the, the Old Testament, when this, then when this happened in Jeremiah, going back to Jeremiah, it was generations later before Jesus was to come. And for them, they had to believe it. And they believed that their children would see it. And they believed that their maybe grandchildren would see it. And their faith in God is, what, is how they were justified. For us, we're looking back believing that Jesus did that and that we're believing in the promises of God whenever God says when we trust upon him and we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and the penalty that was paid on our behalf and our sins and we confess our sins to God that he says if we do that then he'll save us that he'll come into our hearts and life and that he'll be in control of our life we are believing that in faith and that he says to us he has some additional promises for us in the Bible as far as when he's coming back for us and so on and so forth, there's so many different promises that we can believe in and trust in because of the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. I sure, I sure hope you're hoping this morning. I sure hope that you believe in the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ to know that we don't have to guess, we don't have to uh, hope in a 50-50 that our hope, our security I pray and encourage you this morning that it's in the Lord and that he knows that you know as well that it's not just there sitting there in salvation, but it's in your everyday life to know that God is wanting to do, do and accomplish so much in and through your everyday life. And I pray you would see the hope of the Lord.
to know that again. He's not, he is wanting, can I just, I mean, he's wanting to do so much through our lives. Can we agree with that this morning? You know, I, I was, and I'm done. I was, somebody told me yesterday that uh, my man Chance uh, was just running the show the other night for the concert at First Moss Bluff. And, uh, you know, Chance has so many talents and abilities, and I'm thanking the Lord that Moss Bluff with their, I don't know, thousand people that are going there, needed our chance. <laughs> our boy that lives just right down past Hargrove on his way, on your way to fields in the back way, they had to go find him out there and steal him from us to run the show for them uh, over there at Moss Bluff. And I'm picking and serious. And old Lane is at one of the larger churches in Lake Charles and uh, really doing a great work over there. And I'm just looking this morning and Sean has led worship at First Baptist Jennings and uh, Tracy and, and, and I'm not, I don't mean to exclude people, but Tracy could I mean, she can sing anywhere. I mean, she could sing anywhere. And there's so, and I, I'm just, I'm going to pick on them because they, they were on the forefront, right? But there's so much unbelievable ability in our, in our pews that as a leader, I want to be able to put to good use. But you also need to find it in you of how I could use my talents, my, my gifts, my abilities, even things that you haven't probably stopped long enough to discover that the talents and resources that God has for you in your life. That, you know what, for me to really, as a leader or this church, to really control everything would be impossible. For me to say, you know what, I'm doing a great job when it comes to everybody and putting them in the right position. But I serve a God and... And if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you could be knocking it out of the park just by being faithful to God. And I'm telling you, there's so much, and that's the reason I use those people as examples. And uh, I left out Jake. Jake could be not only preaching anywhere else, Jake could be leading worship anywhere else. And we have so many resources, we have so many great things that God has blessed us with, including you. I'm talking to you that God doesn't want to just leave us where we're at. Our hope is in him and we don't have to rely on our own abilities and us being able to knock those, you know, to do all those things correctly. Abraham didn't just say, well, it's on my ability. I need to do all this. It didn't start with your ability, Abraham. You didn't have to continue with your ability. Just be faithful to what God is doing and believe in his promises and be faithful to what he's telling you to do. That's what I ask for us this morning. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you. I love you, Lord God, and I praise you this morning for, for who you are. And Lord, not only for a message today that I thank you for, but for me, Lord God, and what you're showing me in the transparency and the leading 
and also just being more reliant upon your word. Your word and your spirit will do more than anything that we could possibly do. Lord, there may be some in this room this morning that need a relationship with you. They've trusted in praying a prayer to you. They've trusted in doing this, doing that. But they have not trusted in your son and your promise of what it is to be saved in that blood that was shed for us. And through that, of having a life that's been transformed, that has been baptized with your spirit, and moving forward in their everyday life, of just serving you and relying on you. There's many, there's maybe some, I should say, in this room that have never trusted you. I pray today, Lord God, they would understand and believe on what you're trying to show them today. I pray your spirit to move on in their hearts and lives today for them to be able to communicate that, whether to me or someone else in this room. I hope and pray for that this morning. I pray for Christians, Lord God, to know, know I have a relationship with the Lord. For us to continue to live in this hope and in the promises that you have for us. That you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places your word tells us. That you have empowered us through your spirit. That you want us to, to grow up in our spiritual walk, to be more like you in this place of sanctification, knowing and growing and experiencing you in our life that we're being people that are loving on other people and encouraging other people to be the people that you want us to be. And Lord, all these things that we're dealing with in our lives that we would just continue or start trusting you in those things. You are our hope, Lord God. You are what we rely on. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name that we pray, amen. I'm gonna ask you to stand. And as they lead us in this time of worship and response, if there's anything, I'm going to be standing right here and just singing and, and praising the Lord and maybe a little praying. If there's anything that you have that you would like to share with me, want somebody to pray with you about, please come and speak to me. Just come up and uh, just respond to the Lord. Even if you don't come up, respond there in your seats as you're praying to the Lord and just deal with him this morning in a place of response. Here